Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. On a great day for talk radio. It's one of those days where uh, it's beautiful outside, but we're laboring inside for the foreseeable future, unless things change dramatically. And uh, we'll get an update from the city's people as we hold the uh, city of Toronto media briefing just ahead of four o'clock in the news and on the other side discuss anything pertinent that's uh, come about as a result right now on a matter of uh, extreme pertinence the PPE story we know we've been involved in a situation where uh, we're coming up short and yesterday or the day before I guess the premier was saying we've got about a week supply of masks and then we're tapped out but the cavalry came over the hill yesterday or I guess the delivery was today I'm losing track of the uh, actual timeline but the 500 million uh, my apologies, 500,000 masks that were coming from 3M out of Minnesota have finally arrived, but were held up at the border earlier in the week because the president tripped something called the War Production Act and mandated that 3M, an American company, you know, delegate these things for domestic consumption. So uh, that was really the crux of this problem that we had with Canada this uh, with uh, the U.S. this spat. Let's get Bruce Heyman in here because he understands the art of diplomacy. As a matter of fact, it's his best-selling memoir as a former U.S. ambassador to Canada. Bruce, how you doing? You keeping healthy? We're staying healthy, but we're staying indoors, so uh, the family's getting to know each other a lot better. <laughs> okay. Well, that's maybe an upside <laughs> to all of this, uh, but how about this uh, this crisis and triggering the War Production Act? Uh, does it justify the whole situation, the War Production Act? So um, the Defense Production Act, we, we get rid of the name War Department, turned it into the Defense Department. But uh, the, the reality is this. Um, the president's behind. He didn't uh, anticipate this virus when his advisors all told him it was coming. And by, you know, executing uh, this now in this way, I think really is harmful for the U.S.-Canada relationship. And I think that it's, it's unfortunate, but the president is all tactical, no strategic, doesn't have plans, and is flailing. And so he, two weeks ago, talked about troops at the border. What was that about? But you know what? He then pulls back from that, and then he says, we're not going to sell masks to Canada. And that's ridiculous. First of all, he doesn't even understand the fact that, you know, nurses from Windsor going over to Detroit or the product materials to make the darn mask are coming from British Columbia. He just is so short-sighted. And these have, have a result of potential significant damage to a relationship that is based on trust, that is based on being there for each other when we have needs. And Canada's always been there for the U.S. when we've when we've been in trouble, and it's it's hard to imagine this taking place, but it's hard to imagine the president doing many of the things he's doing. Well, I guess it was the America first uh, impulse, you know, insofar as uh, being late on uh, calling this. I mean, our own prime minister, we were still taking flights from China for all intents and purposes, I guess, right up to uh, the 16th of March. 
And so, you know, criticisms can be and finger pointing uh, go all around insofar as the Chinese weren't really keeping us surprised in the early stages, which is a whole other question. i got to ask you, honestly, uh, does China have something to answer for here? I mean, as a former diplomat, how would you stick handle this? You know what? What we've seen from China over a long period of time is a lack of transparency and honesty with regard to numbers. And so whether it's economic numbers or the events that are taking place, I think they thought they had a problem and they were just going to control it and contain it, keep it kind of a secret. And if they could put it all out and snuff the little fire out, that it wouldn't spread to a wildfire across the world, which is what's happened. I think by doing that, we lost precious time around the world to develop test kits, to develop mass and protection equipment, PPE, uh, have ventilators manufactured. So we, we definitely lost a window in time by their secrecy. And, and I think people are going to hold a lot of different people, as you mentioned, accountable throughout this process when we look back on it. But we are where we are right this minute, and we have to deal with the problem today and then talk about what the implications are going forward. We have a virus that has no cure. It is not curable. And the good news is that social distancing seems to be tampening down the spread. And so new cases seem to be coming down. I hope that that trend continues. Um, we still have an inordinately high level of mortality taking place from the experience of the last few weeks. Um, but then what? Now what do we do once we get it tamped down? It's not like we can all run outside and say, okay, it's good now, right? Um, we've got a lot of work to do to get to that point. Well, that was my next question, actually. Uh, when and how do we consider opening the economy again? What are the, the signals, so, the signposts? Yeah, so one of the things that a lot of the doctors, and I clearly don't have an expertise in this, in this area, but I've now heard it repetitively. If we can get a test to identify those people that have either the antibodies to be immune to this virus or as a result of either herd exposure or having the virus itself. And we can identify those people and we can reach the conclusion that those people will not spread it any further, nor will they get sick again. Those people can start going back to work then and we can start doing that. But then the question is, how do you identify those people and how are those people identified versus anyone else? You know, in the post 9-11 world, uh, we actually made a lot of changes to identify who, who should be getting on planes and who shouldn't. And we screened for people to make sure they didn't have weapons and all kinds of different things. So now in this, in this post-virus world, which we're not in yet, but we'll assume we get to, what does that look like? And how do, you know, when you sit at a crowded restaurant, do you want to, you want to be sure that the person you're sitting next to is not going to get you sick? Or sitting on an airplane, and what will the middle seats look like on an airplane going forward? And, you know, <laughs> finally so we'll have some leg room. And it change. Well, you know what you're talking about, uh, Ambassador, is serological testing, and uh, I've heard a lot about that. Where again, uh, the presumption is you're immune going forward. You know, some countries like Germany are even looking at issuing immunity certificates. Uh, just right. as you know. Yeah, you might have a pass that uh, shows you can go back to work. And uh, so, I mean, it's going to be a brave new world, no doubt. I've got to ask you about a change here while I've still got a few moments. Uh, it's a brave new uh, Democrat party, I guess. Bernie Sanders just uh, deciding to suspend his campaign. Are you confident that he's going to and the Bernie bros are going to support Joe Biden all the way and up, uh, you know, be all in on that? 
Well, you can never be confident about anything in politics, but I'll tell you, the signs are really good today. And I think that his language today leads one to believe that we'll go down that path. Now, some of his supporters may not come along, but I would venture to say that we have enough time now and the coalition and the words of of coming together to defeat Donald Trump. Um, I think that I think that that will I think we're going to have a unity party now. And remember, it wasn't that long ago. He had almost 30 people running for president. People said, when are we going to finally get to a nominee? Well, we're down to one person already selected. This is the earliest the Democratic Party has selected somebody since, I think, 2004. And so it's early. We've got a lot of time. We can coalesce around a candidate. He can now start thinking about who his vice president can be, how he's going to build out his, his cabinet, what the White House is going to look like. And he has a lot of time to do that, which is good news for America. And it'll be a competitive race for sure. Yeah, much of the commentariat uh, were projecting that there'd be a brokered convention because nobody would be the prohibitive favorite mm. and there'd be numerous candidates, which just tells you that you ought to question modeling going forward. Yeah, well, I was definitely <laughs> polling. I'm definitely polling. And, you know, and the modeling, you know, it's as good as the inputs, right? And uh-huh. uh, so the good news with the economists, uh, you know, you can uh, you can change your views every day based on the information you get. And, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things in politics as well. So, yeah, you're right. And so it's going to be interesting. It's But it's definitely, I think, now we're down to Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. And so all the other speculation, division of parties, broker convention, all of that is now put aside. And it will be uh, a clearly defined race between two men and two visions, both older white men uh, and the path ahead. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I mean, uh, the last three candidates standing for the Dem nomination were all older white guys. So uh, the party of wokeness, uh, it was sort of betraying their ethos. Let me ask you finally as an exit question, though, because Bernie still lingers as a gravitational pull and uh, feels he's informing, you know, the platform in the party. So do you think Americans are going to start pivoting more to embrace socialism and maybe this whole COVID-19 response with uh, trillions of dollars poured into it as well? kind of presages that as how do you see it well i don't know if i use the word socialism whether we move that way but providing health care uh for all at some level i think has been an issue over the last couple of several elections and now given uh this covid virus that is spreading and people worried about health care at the level they're worried about and appropriately so i think here in the united states we we need to find a different path to making sure people are well taken care of. Look, you know, the poorest of poor, um, the most disadvantaged uh, in our society are having the highest death rate. In Chicago, 29% of the population in Chicago, 28, 29% are black, but 70% of the ones who are dying are black. And we're seeing that same thing going on in New Orleans and elsewhere. It's the blacks, the Latinos elsewhere who have the least access to healthcare. And so we're, we're having problems here that are that are bubbling up and you see it with the virus itself. So it could very well be that the virus pulls the country toward a different way of doing health care, something that politics couldn't do. Interesting take. I appreciate it, as always. And uh, we'll talk down the road. Pleasure. Bruce Heyman. Yep. Former U.S. ambassador to Canada, author of the bestselling memoir, The Art of Diplomacy. And to that point, uh, yeah, interesting that. There is a disproportionate uh, 
mortality rate within the marginalized or uh, visible minority communities, Hispanics and uh, blacks in the U.S. of A. At least that's the study breakout there. Don't know what it is here in Canada. Obviously, the elderly with the uh, long-term care facilities being particularly ravaged. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.